0: The great thing about where we've come with Workplace is that we have a partner-first mentality to this new industry as we are innovating in the future of work. So we would love to meet anyone who wants to learn more. SAS Connect and the Cloud Software Association is such a valuable community of people. Welcome to SAS Connect, the SAS Partnership Podcast, brought to you by the Cloud Software Association. Thank you, as always, to our podcast producers, Content Allies. They help B2B companies like you launch revenue-generating podcasts. They'll schedule interviews, produce the podcast, and promote it. Check them out at contentallies.com. Hi, everyone. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to see people's faces. Yesterday, I went to the office for the first time in two and a half years, and this is my first in-person conference in about the same time as well. So thanks so much to SaskConnect for having me and the Cloud Software Association. And thanks, Jason, for the warm welcome. I'm going to be talking about my journey in partnerships and specifically at Meta, but I thought I would start with my personal story. So funnily enough, exactly five years ago today, I relocated from the UK and moved to San Francisco. That's me waiting in the boarding line. See, I'm way at the back of the plane, seat 40K. And I thought that moving to the US was going to be easy. Unlike so many people who relocate across the other side of the world, I had the huge privilege and advantage of being able to already speak the language. But what I realized was that quite quickly I needed to learn all the new systems and processes and acronyms that you have here in the U.S. And some of them were actually a little bit more critical for me to find out and get right first time if I had any hope of knowing that. FWD does not mean four-wheel drive this side of the pond and I think like you've gone through any sort of fundamental shift or change whether you've changed career paths or you've pivoted your business or you're readjusting to this hybrid model of working in the office and also at home there are some things that you need to fundamentally get right first time and there are other things where you can learn and adjust and test as you go I'm going to be sharing my story as to how I applied some of these similar strategies and learnings when I've been executing enterprise partnerships across a couple of different organizations and now to Meta. I hope that some of the learnings that I've picked up along the way might be helpful for anyone who is looking to build a first partner program in their organization or build out partnerships for the first time in their organization and I can share some of my key learnings and what I've picked up at Meta. So when you think about Meta and products at Meta, there are many products that come to mind, but I expect that many of you don't think about products and tools that you're going to be using at work. And Workplace is, was built and launched to market a few years ago, built with a goal in mind to leverage the product expertise and elements of consumer-facing products and apply that to the world of work. So Workplace actually now connects more than 7 million enterprise-paying users, leveraging product technology that you will recognize, applied to the enterprise. The goal here is to – to—it's Workplace is a tool for internal communications and organizational communications that allow employees to connect with each other and leaders to connect better with their employees. So we currently work across and serve customers across a variety of sectors, whether it's retail or airlines or pharmaceuticals or financial services, providing workplace for companies that have a large and complex and often quite distributed workforce. And our goal is to provide workplace for so that everyone in an organization, whether you're on the front line, whether you're sitting and working in HQ, everyone has the same tool to be able to connect to the company, find out company official information and also collaborate and connect with teammates at work. So the user interface is actually pretty similar. You probably recognize this from Facebook. You'd have company news feed. You have structures around groups that are reflecting perhaps your internal organizational structure. You leaders and departmental heads can go live and connect immediately with their teams no matter where they're distributed throughout the world. For internal comms and HR managers, we provide insights that let them see how their campaigns across the workplace are reaching the employees they're trying to reach. And also core services provided for organizations that need to understand how they can better manage their employee directory and their work directory and their employees, their employee base as a whole. So my team, we were tasked with this challenge around thinking about how we build an enterprise partner ecosystem around workplace and thinking about what our opportunity was to better serve our customers. As many of you in this room as partnerships professionals, we saw the partner opportunity that would allow us to, through integrations, connect workplace better to other products that our enterprise and customers are already using, partner with industry leaders to expand new vertical markets and potentially new geographical regions, and of course, generate new mutual lines of businesses for us and also our partner ecosystem. And our challenge was, of course, we are sitting in a large company that has been predominantly and historically focused on consumer and building product consumers in mind, And we were challenged with building enterprise product and an enterprise ecosystem around that. A lot of that challenge is actually internal. How do we think about this evangelizing campaign around working with teams and helping them not just be partner friendly, but eventually hopefully pivoting towards partner friendly? And of course, like so many of us, we're very light team we were a handful of people and so we were challenged with showing partner value before actually having dedicated resources for us to grow our ecosystem and so this is where we started we started as a a small team of partner managers partner engineers and some light partner marketing resources we spent a lot of time thinking about how we would design and execute the larger strategic alliances deals with enterprise leaders in the market some of them are, are listed here And we had a small amount of partner inbound that we would spend time dealing with and reacting to as it came in. But we realized that this wasn't really helping us go after the broader opportunity of the partner ecosystem that we were trying to build. Our small team spent a lot of time on manual processes, um, dealing with inbound in a kind of one-on-one, concierge-bespoke way with our partner relationships. And if we were going to scale and capture the broader opportunity that we saw in front of us, we needed to think about how we would evolve our model to meet that need. So we wanted to make space for proactive outbound in certain sector verticals that we wanted to grow into and also capture more than just those large to extra large enterprise partnerships that we were working on and make space for mid-market and SMB opportunities as well. So we had this key question in front of us of defining actually what does successful growth look like, not just in the short term, but for the medium term and the long term ahead and what it really meant to foster a healthy ecosystem rather than just executing one-by-one strategic alliances deals throughout the year. And this brings me to my first learning, which is a phrase that we kind of use internally a lot, which is that it's not prioritization until it hurts. And us partnerships people, we usually start with very light teams, very small teams, and we have a lot of really exciting opportunity in front of us. But the reality is is that we have to be really ruthless about how we make our decisions, especially when you're building an early ecosystem of partners and trying to scale and grow as a very small team. So this was our approach to actually a decision-making framework that we developed that helped us evaluate the opportunities in front of us in terms of the areas where we wanted to invest. So the questions we were asking ourselves were, how do we evaluate an opportunity based on the product opportunity that it brings us in terms of product differentiation, specifically around integrations that we needed to build, what marketing awareness would we actually benefit from and be able to offer to partners that wanted to work with us, and also listening to our customers, understanding and making sure that we were serving the needs of our existing customer base. We then had to weigh that up. With the trade-offs, so what actual cost of resources and time would it take for us to evaluate and actually execute on that opportunity? And finally, just finding out whether actually we have the platform capabilities on both sides to move forward at a reasonable pace and actually execute on these technology integration partnerships um, deals that you guys are all familiar with. And so what we realized was actually we needed to slow down and almost stop some of the core activities that we were doing at that time and optimize for scale rather than this linear progression of partnership growth. And so what we ended up realizing was that we needed to invest in a partner program before we actually felt that we were ready. And this meant... At a starting point, just putting a structure in place of, on the partner lifecycle from beginning to end. How are we recruiting partners? How are we putting systems around application processes, decision-making processes? Onboarding these partners, allowing them to build applications, successfully launch those applications to our integrations directory, and deal with the annual compliance cycle that we have for security and compliance around applications on our integrations directory. And finally, how do we handle partners that want to offboard? There's a natural cycle to a partner life cycle, making sure that you have a structure around all of that was where we began. Version one of our ecosystem looks like a collective partner database. We talked about spreadsheets a lot earlier. I hate to admit that that's kind of where we were. We had a huge spreadsheet of every partner that was working with us that helped us deal with and handle that broader database of partners that we were managing. We were able to invest in improved developer experience and still had some partner managers matched to partners. And we thought that we had successfully launched a partner program and that we were all good and, and ready to go. And what we actually realized was that we'd built something that didn't really benefit our partners, but actually much more benefited us and our team. Back to my four wheel drive analogy, we had the car, we'd taken it to the mountain, but we still couldn't drive in the snow. We had an inflexible, unadaptable program. It was a one-directional process of information. We weren't really offering anything that helped our partners be more successful. If anything, we were asking more of them. And so we realized that what we had done is actually we just shipped a program that reflected our internal team structures and reflected the resource constraints that we had as a team. And so this takes me to my next learning, which was don't ship your org chart, and as hard as that is to do in practice, we realized that we were able to invest in the areas that we had resources in, but core functionalities that our partners expected from us were just not being served. So version one of our program reflected, was actually built and designed to help us operate ourselves better internally and actually didn't bring value to the end partner. So how would we evolve and actually bake in the flexibility that we needed to better serve our partners? So this might sound obvious, but it wasn't to us beforehand. But we actually started speaking to our partners and asking them what they wanted. Product managers and product teams spent a lot of time on user research and understanding pain points in the journey and what really needs to be solved for. And prior to that point, we'd never really spent real time with our extended ecosystem and understood the pain points of what it took to partner with us and also what they really needed. That also allowed us to identify was common key activities across all types of partners, technology partners, resellers, and our SIs, that could be centralized into a program consistently. And then we were also able to identify areas where we needed to provide self-service tools to those partners and where we could, quite frankly, just get out of their way. So this is what version two of our partner program looked like, which allowed us to have a blend of centralized capabilities, around the recruitment efforts and the retirement process, whether that's the application process, app decisioning. We actually defined different partner tracks. We allowed our partners to self-identify as well, which I think is key. So many of our partners we assume are going to be in just a technology partner, and actually we have so many partners that are both technology partners and channel partners. We invested in PRM, which was a game changer. It allowed our teams to deliver assets and tools and materials to our partners as soon as they were ready and update them and have a live dynamic content ecosystem that our partners could benefit from in a self-service way. We added a whole new track around growth and this is actually translated into what is our partner success function now. Investing in educational programs, enablement programs, providing assets for partners and helping them skill up on how we position workplace and how we should collectively position workplace. And then fundamentally, a communication channel that just wasn't one-directional. We actually leveraged workplace to connect with our partner ecosystem and have a two-directional conversation, allowing us to hear the voice of our partner ecosystem and collect feedback that's critical as our program evolves. So this is how we've structured it now. So we have a sell-with-us track services partner track and our technology partner track. Partners can opt into one or all of these and there are some centralized common elements to the onboarding process and the partner life cycle but there's baked in flexibility per track that caters to the different nuances of each of these that our partners need depending on the track that they're in. We've also invested in partner support, which was really critical for us as a technology partner team to help in a scaled way partners as they're in their build process and developing integrations on workplace and getting their integrations live and in the hands of customers. And so this program evolved and has now translated into core partner functions. I mentioned partner success. We have partner marketing, which is just so critical and underestimated at the beginning how much we needed partner marketing support. And the centralized processes that I mentioned around the recruit and retirement process of the program is run by by partner ops. So this takes me to my third and final learning, which took me and our team a while to get to, which was, Fundamentally, our partners are an extension of our team. Such a valuable test bed for us to run ideas by and to get feedback from as we were building a program that really was ultimately meant to be designed for them. It's quite often when we are building something new, what I found that our partners had was a really expert perspective on what best practices look like. And they really are trusted advisors and they continue to be our trusted advisors as we evolve our program and as our ecosystem matures. And so the results are that we have a healthy, thriving partner ecosystem across all three elements and all three tracks. I will say that Workplace as a whole has pivoted towards being a really partner-friendly organization, which has been, been quite a journey. But we're still a really lean team, and as the ecosystem matures, we expect that our program as it exists today is going to have to flex and evolve over time. A reminder of the three key points and three key takeaways, at least for me, as I've been on this journey when it comes to what's next, we're now thinking about how we kind of cross the next frontier, not just workplace, but thinking about building meta products for work across enterprise software and hardware. The great thing about where we've come with workplace is that we have a partner first mentality to this new industry as we are innovating in the future of work. So. We would love to meet anyone who wants to learn more. SAS Connect and the Cloud Software Association is such a valuable community of people. So I'm here. My team is here. So come and say hi. We'd love to meet you. And, yeah, please get in touch. Thank you. Hi, Amelia. I'm Danielle. Hi. Um, I have a question for you about moving from that V1 to that V2 partner program. You mentioned you were a lean team and had to prove out the function before getting additional resources. When you found that there wasn't much traction and it wasn't performing as you expected, what helped you gain the buy-in internally to continue investing and pivoting the program? Thank you. Yeah, it's a hard one because when something's not working, metrics don't serve you very well. What we found ultimately was that our partners being our advocates was the key element for us to be able to pivot successfully and actually make a big bet on driving the value that we knew was there but we hadn't uncovered yet. In terms of internal evangelizing, you know the magic happens when you bring a partner to your product team or your engineering team, maybe perhaps to discuss integration or platform elements that need to be developed, and the alignment on the goal is so strong that partner managers can just step out of the way and bringing that relationship of our technology partners to product teams and engineering teams and uncovering how it wasn't just a one directional relationship but actually how our partners could help us in our product goals whether it's product stickiness or reaching a new user base or growing into a new vertical that was really the kind of one-by-one approach that helped us win the internal alignment With core teams, that meant that we had the support to keep going, even though we hadn't figured out the best way at that point. Hi, Amelia. Thank you for a great presentation. Quick question. How are you set up with respect to channel partners and technology partners and system integrators? Are they in separate organizations or are they all under one roof? Yeah, great question, and I think an ongoing debate because I've seen both models work really well. For us, we have one core team that is our partner ecosystem holistically. All three tracks, all three types of partners roll up into one team. That has worked for us at a stage where we are building this out from scratch and building the partner business internally at workplace. I have seen also the model be really effective where reseller and SI partnerships that are typically gold on revenue generation – Roll up to an ultimate sales leader, and then technology partnerships teams roll into the product side of the organization because typically the metrics we sign up for, product-related goals, whether that for us it's MAP, internal monthly active people, or platform activities. I've seen both models work really well. I think the way we thought about making that decision was about the maturity of the ecosystem in your ecosystem journey. That's how we think about it. Hi Amelia. Hi. Feather Hamden, I would tell you, really great presentation. On your kind of a off to what the uh, lady mentioned earlier, as you're justifying that certain product integrations, in that scorecard, there was, unless I missed it, I apologize, I didn't see anything about potential revenue opportunity. How have you overcome that? Because sometimes it's, there's a potential integration, and then, sure, there's a TAM, but then how do you kind of quantify it from my business perspective? Just would love to hear your insights on that. Thank you. So as I understand the question, how do you balance between goals around revenue generation versus product-related goals, like I was mentioning. I think, as we all know, partners in all types of tracks have the ability to have meaningful impact on the business side around revenue generation. Ultimately, for us, it was about the stage of where we were in our product journey and in our customer journey. For us at that time, around V1 of the partner program, our priority was around user acquisition through partnering with enterprise leaders in the market that you just have core table states integrations that customers just expect when you purchase a product and roll out within enterprise organization. So that made the decision-making criteria quite easy for us because at that stage it was actually product-related needs as opposed to new lines of business. Now, as our ecosystem is maturing, as partners play in multiple elements, not just the product element, but also the channel track and and even services, building services around workplace, we would expect blended goals there, both in terms of being able to show the product impact of the partnership, user base, interaction with the integration, and so on, as well as actually on the revenue generation side, too. So I guess I'll I'll ask the last question. Hi, I'm Dave. I run a company called Before We Are a Future of Work platform that uh, eliminates bias in the hiring process. I came from the partnership space before doing this. So how does Facebook enable small, early companies who have potentially exciting, innovative tech in that tech channel? How do you think about incentives or innovation or investment from that side of things? Great question. And it kind of speaks to that, that pivot that we needed to make when we realized that we were only really catering for our largest enterprise partners that we were going after and we really wanted to come and build out capabilities for for mid-market and SMB. Honestly, what we're proud of with the program that we built is that we have partners of all sizes and of all stages in their own journey that are partnering in meaningful ways with Workplace. We are able to have a platform for smaller partners and larger partners to get in front of our sales teams, to get across our partner tracks. I find the Some of the best outcomes that we've seen is when technology partners and channel partners partner together. Partner-to-partner activity is just amazing. That's how when you feel that the ecosystem is really starting to generate value in and and of itself. So for smaller partners, SMB, mid-market partners as well, we are an open door. And we have a team of partner success people (laughs) that are there to work with you and also help you reach the same benefits and incentives as anyone else in the program. We do have a tiering structure, of course, that helps us drive certain incentives and certain outcomes from our partner ecosystem, but they're catered to companies of all sizes and all stages of growth. Yeah, we'd love to chat after. (laughs) If you like this and want more great insights on software partnerships, you've got to rate, like, and subscribe. And join us at thecloudsoftwareassociation.com. Thank you, as always, to our podcast producers, Content Allies. They help B2B companies like you launch revenue-generating podcasts. They'll schedule interviews, produce a podcast, and promote it. Check them out at contentallies.com. We'll see you on the next episode.